Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 326 on Tuesday, the 5th of May, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be quickly discussing some expectedly small numbers. We give you some homework, and we all learn a bit of German. But first, we do have a smidgen of follow-up, and it is the fact that we were talking about the uh, program that Ferrari were putting in place called the Back on Track program, uh, where they were going to help their employees through various aspects of the lockdown and how uh, how that may have affected them both mentally physically, emotionally, uh, as well as financially. But then there's also trying to get Marinello back up and running as a factory producing things. Well, they Mm -hmm. opened today, and the idea is over the next few days, they will have uh, full output by Friday is the aim. So I don't know what their daily output is for cars. It's not particularly high. I mean, it's it's high compared to historic things. but It's going to be massive in the cap and T-shirt department, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I can't. I just, I'm not even going to say that. Uh, no, but it's easier for the luxury manufacturers to get back yeah. because, of course, the vehicles move more slowly. There's there's more space around. The cars are bigger so people can stay well apart uh, and all these kind of things. So so when things aren't as mechanized on a line, it is much easier for, for the small firms. Because Rolls-Royce have started. And Bentley as well, yeah. Have they started already? I thought they might be next week. It might they were be on the a week news Monday, the other night, I believe. Okay, well, they're they're certainly planning it. Yeah, there, there is there is plans to start reintroducing the. I mean, it just as long as they feel they can do it with the distances, isn't it? That's the, that's mm-hmm. the key, and they can make their staff feel safe. Yes. But the article that I've taken that from is the same one that we were discussing last week, which is a great roundup of what's going on across the world uh, as far as uh, with uh, manufacturing and the world of motorsport uh, from Autocar. So do click through and have a read of what uh, James Atwood compiles for us all to get a sna- get an idea of what's going on and how how companies are trying to get back to doing something. Yeah, that's going to be a really you see that that James Atwood's timeline thread of monstrousness that in the future is going to be a very interesting document I think to people. It's a good diary. It will when they put it up. Yes, it would be interesting if they they're putting up against it, you know, the how the the virus was progressing or actions against the prog- the virus were progressing. It's definitely a something, but it it is a resource for the future on these things. Yeah. As ever, though, I am amazed at how quickly we are as as a society, but also the manufacturers are able to try and adapt in, in such an incredibly short space of time to, to try and mitigate risk. I think it's easier for car manufacturers than most other manufacturing, partly because they're used to doing it. It's just okay. something they inherently do. And also, I think stuff like the scale of the product makes it much, much easier. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you've got people who normally sit, you know, shoulder to shoulder to shoulder uh, on a small conveyor belt packing biscuits yeah. uh, or whatever, that's actually much, much harder than saying, no, we're going to slow this down a bit. 
one person at a time. You fit that seat, and then you fit that seat. And yeah, generally people are in a dedicated area anyway, aren't they? And they're not crossing right. over too much. It's just it's just those public crossover points, I suppose. Public exactly, crossover. and that was one of the but key the things about. Points, yeah. That was one of the key things that we uh, from that Volkswagen article that I discussed last week. Yeah, uh, yep. was talking about that. Anyway, not quite off the COVIDness yet. As we look, unsurprisingly, at the April new car registration figures for the uk they are so small that you might blink and miss them yep the headline figure of course is the 97.3 percent drop in registrations and quite frankly i'm surprised it's only 97.3 percent i was very surprised that it was not 99 point something (laughs) it makes sense when you think about it and i've just realized i have a sheet of mathematics i did earlier on that's downstairs so i'm gonna have to try and remember some of the calculations i did earlier awesome live maths we like it's it's not even (laughs) gonna be live maths yeah it was it was siri enabled live maths earlier on um so in total 4321 i've just realized that's 4321 uh vehicles were registered in April 2020 all of those 20% were private 8.3% were business and 71.5% were fleet I was asking on Twitter about this earlier and asking was a large proportion of this for cars going to NHS and the key workers as a lot of manufacturers have stepped up and gone to keep you guys moving here's some cars because we've seen it, we've seen a fair few of that, and they said that some of that, but there was actually some some fleets had already pre-booked mm-hmm. before the lockdown happened. So this was just some of that coming through the system. And as we'll speak in a minute, there's another manufacturer who's still been doing deliveries because because so what the let's do the top ten before we do the the battery the the, the splits. Uh, so the. The best sellers, best sellers, I've just read it off the flipped top. The best registers for April 2020 were, and be prepared to have your unusual car bingo ready. Number 10, the Peugeot 308 with 67. That's 67 out of 4,321. Quite a chunk. Number 9, uh, 8th and ninth equal, actually, the Nissan Leaf and Mercedes-Benz A-Class at 72. Number seven, the Seat Leon at 80. Number six, the Persia Rifter. And I've been quite depressed by the number of big name car journalists who are going, I didn't don't know what a Persia Rifter looks like. Oh my God, really? Because it must be terrible always having the supercars. It's superb. I loved it. Yeah, it's it's the Persia partner van with windows and seats and it's, it's cracking. Uh, 94, uh, the Ford Toneo Custom, which is a posh transit minibus number four the Vauxhall crossland x 143 number three the Vauxhall corsa hooray something we normally expect to see in this list at 264 at number two the jaguar i-pace at 367 and number one the tesla model 3 it is actually named at 658 i presume smmt just went forget it even if tesla don't want us to say it we're going to say they can't that it's the model top, three yeah. for for and I, I i was told this last month and i can't remember the reasons now but i know it's something to do with obviously tesla doesn't play by the doesn't want to pay smmt fees no it's not it's not it's not even that it's tesla refuse tesla don't want hmm. their 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 
sales figures by region. That's what it is. It's yep. nothing to do with the SMMT or not want pay fees or any of that kind of stuff. It's because Tesla don't want the don't like their numbers reported that way. Yep. Sorry. Yep. You're quite right. That that's what it because lots of people have been doing that actually the last since this morning really, uh, and that's been happening. Those numbers, by the way, the last time they were any lower was in February 1946 with 4,044 units being registered stroke sold. So I worked out that the total number of bestsellers, that top 10, that made up 30%. If you add all of those together, that's 30% of the entire number of vehicles registered. Wow. Yeah, which was quite... I think it might have been 37, 37% of them, which is quite a, a, a fair old percentage. The big headline from the, the, the split so far is 30%, 31.8% market share for battery electric vehicle as a result of the I-PACE and the, and the Model 3 yep. uh, numbers. Pfft, yeah, so uh, it's it's so skewed and so weird that, uh, that that's, just, that's just what's happening. I mean, this is going to really muck up everything for for the next decade or so yep um as far as reporting uh it's going to be a real blip i don't know what may's going to be like i don't know if may's going to be better or worse it might even be worse yeah I, i've I've seen i saw uh jim holder managing is it managing editor or editor at large for um auto car and what car but anyway he, he tweeted out haymarket saying that somebody got in touch with him saying they're trying to get in touch with the dealer but no one's answering and obviously it's shut so mm-hmm. There are some people out there who do want to buy a car. I I would strongly suggest it's not – well, obviously, it's nowhere near as many as it was, but – No, there, there will be people who have cars on order whose cars will be will be ready and waiting, but who will be unable to collect to register and collect them. Yeah, dealers have furloughed staff, so that's a three-week cycle, I believe. So you can't just suddenly turn around and go, right, we'll bring them back in. Mm-hmm. So there's there's all sorts of different aspects, you know, apart from the, well, you know, it's critical journeys only, everybody. <laughs> yeah, which is a tough one to say, I desperately need a car because it's a critical journey only. Unless your car has just gone completely kafat, then that's a kind of, or, or has been caught in an accident. Yeah. Then that's a kind of tough one to justify. Yeah. Some manufacturers are offering buy online. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are offering... Uh, are offering touchless handover yep. and all these kind of things. So that there's a there's a sort of move behind the scenes, I guess, to try and bring the deals back. And and some are saying, I mean, I know that I, I know that the, the the dealer I bought my my car from in in Perth, the sales are open but not in person. So right. you can ring them up, okay, and you can speak to them, and they'll handle as much as they possibly can remotely yeah but the showroom is closed yeah understandable so so that's the way they do but they're a much smaller they're not a big dealer group they are a privately owned dealership yeah dealership group there are only four dealers or something okay um so they're trying to do it that way so and the other thing is you don't ever really need to touch someone when you're when you're um, buying a car no if you think about it the only time hopefully not (laughs) shake of the hand is would be the only normal time 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, they yeah, but other than that, there is, there is no need. Yeah. There is well, no I need. did it. I've you know when i bought mine i'd, I'd signed and, and done all the forms and all the paperwork we'd done it all in advance by email because i'm 300 because miles you don't away. like people though alan well there is that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Not as right as you. anyway right let's move on we've, we've talked we've... about the story which started There's, off by, the day by the way, with you're, people you're being notice... surprised but you're, come on you're no... i don't understand why they were surprised uh, you'll notice that the the uh we're not even bothering with the spreadsheet because... no, no there's no we're not going to do that not even we, being stick in the muds that we are, are prepared to go through that. Well, Andrew, because I would have dumped that months ago. But no. So, moving on to the next piece of news, and it is the fact that Hitachi has invested in the EV service station developer GridServe. You remembered we discussed this a few, quite a few shows ago, that GridServe want to uh, install 100 service stations, but for for EVs only across the country. And their first one is supposed to be opening this, is on plan to be opening this summer. But I don't know uh, where that's up to at the moment. Well, one of the things with this, Andrew, is I remember seeing seeing their renders of, of what was going to happen inside their service stations. And there was going to be communal working areas and oh, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah, and yeah. all sorts of other things. It's going to so, be this idealistic lifestyle that is not I, possible. <laughs> I imagine I imagine there may be a few revisions on just how that's going to operate uh, going on, because that, that was the first thing that hit me whenever, I, I, whenever uh, I saw this article. It wasn't the, oh, good, Hitachi. It was like, oh, oh, their shared space is going to be awfully tricky for a while. Yeah. And the, well, basically the inside of the service station will have access probably to the toilet facilities and that's it because <laughs> everything else won't be open. The one in Braintree that the, that's going to be open first will have a small supermarket that was meant to have a coffee shop and a lounge area and meeting rooms, but we'll see what happens there. I think it's interesting that technology company has come in to help out because this was going to be solar powered as well, heavily mm-hmm. solar powered to obviously take some strain off their costs from generate from buying in the electricity hitachi is so big in so much of so many levels of industry it's not yeah. just like walkman and you know not walkman no no they're industrial they're industrial manufacturers producing yeah. industrial equipment like for diggers and you know stuff like that as well as uh onto uh, production sites and things like that so yeah that, i mean that's it that, that's that's something i i don't know if we fully understand in this country that when you mention a japanese company name it's actually a company that does lots of different things and we're just looking at one tiny aspect of it ditto korea i'd hoped for a trip to korea this year but i don't really see that happening to be perfectly honest no 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 so how was your 14 days in quarantine alan <laughs> And then flying back again. <laughs> what the heck's the difference? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was great. We were allowed in a bus. <laughs> we could see the steelworks from the bus. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about some uh, Porsches and how we can uh, shout at Siri in a classic 911. Well, I like this because, uh, you know, Porsche has has long been thought of and mentioned as the everyday supercar, the one you can use for, for driving to work and back. But one of the challenges that that there's been is that nowadays quite a lot of what we think of as usability comes with how we connect our mobile phones for sat-nav, for listening to music and indeed podcasts and navigation, all these kind of things. 
that's always been one of the one of the the challenges with an older car is you end up having to put this rather blingy certainly ones with a single din slot then it tends to be the ones that have the functionality you want tend to sort of come out and go up like some kind of, and are lit up like some kind of neon robot similarly if you want a double din or a bigger touchscreen with the bigger nav then you know some of the some of those uh some of cars from the the 2000s from the early 20 uh, 2010s these systems are so antiquated and frankly rubbish uh, now and so out of date they're just not even supported by the manufacturers anymore yeah that it's just this big ugly screen which is very difficult to replace porsche has come out with something called the porsche classic communication management or pccm because it's porsche and they love a good acronym uh, <laughs> multimedia system and these are aftermarket units that you can fit in Porsches from, well, right back as long as they've got a DIN slot, really. So even from the early 911s and 912s, right the way up through 996 and as far as 997, isn't it? And Boxster. Yep. Uh, yeah, so 996. There we go. Then you can actually take out the existing, the existing sat-nav unit and put this in and it fits beautifully with the trim and all the fonts are correct on the on the buttons and it doesn't look all blingy and awful and glow green and have be motorized and all these kind of things yeah i mean they're not particularly cheap they start at 1200 quid right the way up to 1400 quid but that's not a huge amount more than a decent aftermarket system and it's yeah. proper porsche and it will fit well, I think I think the one on the the pictures in the Merchant Research article, the one in the classic nine eleven, or the classic dashboard, I, I presume it's a nine. It is. It looks like a nine eleven. Yeah. That, that I think that looks, you know, considering it's a digital product in a very analog dashboard, I think it looks all right. I think it looks pretty yeah. muted, and it's not garish and not not standouty, and it's going to give you what you want, which is. I want to be able to see a map or at least hear Siri give me the instructions without having to put your phone on a holder in the window and connect it via some sort of radio uh, frequency thingy or something like that. So, so yeah, and and the one in the, which again, I'm presuming is a Boxster or something similar, uh, in the newer uh, cabin, that just looks like it's from the factory, to be Mm -hmm. fair. So uh, I, I think they... I think they're a cracking idea. If if you want, when you're in your classic Porsche, you want connectivity. It looks the way to go to me. There's nothing to stop you using a 20-year-old Porsche every day. No. Really. There's, there's, it should should be just fine, as long as it, you know. As long as you're looking after it. The same usual caveats, isn't it? If you look after it and it's been looked after, then it should be all right. Yeah. Anyway, to Sheffield. From Stuttgart to Sheffield. Yes, there was the news that uh, 8.6 million journeys or records of road journeys have been left unsecured, accessible to anybody on the internet, thanks to a problem between Sheffield City Council and the local police not securing the ANPR records for the area. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
So that what that means, right? That that eight point six million records sounds a lot, and it was the figure that a lot of headlines leapt at because it's massive. It's a that good translates to thousands of people. So obviously, it's every journey by a car that it can read the license plate of. If you go to work and the shops, and you are always in their AMPR system for a week, just think of how many journeys you've created. That's what we're looking at. That does not diminish that thousands of people's pri- well, security privacy uh, records have been accessible to anybody who wanted to get on there. Also, this thing was apparently so open that people could have people if people were naughty and knew about it, they could have changed the names of cameras and things like that. So that could have been and dates and times. So that could have been quite bad. Now, I just want to give you the quote from Eugene Walker, the Sheffield City Council's Executive Director of Resources, to hear a non-apology. We take joint responsibility for working to address this data breach. It is not an acceptable thing to have occurred. However, it is important to be very clear, to the best of our knowledge, nobody came to any harm or suffered any detrimental effects as a result of this breach. First of all, they're taking responsibility to fix it, not that it happened. Let, let, let's have a small round of applause for Sheffield City Council's legal department, who clearly worked overtime on that statement. That's just horrific. What a statement that is that is just awful. But forget that now. <laughs> I don't want to get as angry as I was last week. No, no, we're <laughs> going to move on very soon. But it, this is this is a bad, this is a big bad thing that has happened here. This is, this is quite a, a hell of a... A record to be left open and what it also highlights according to the register's article is that at no point can it be seen in on google maps and people who have reported back to the register that sheffield city council are putting up the correct signage to show that your data is actually being held somewhere through ampr to see if you are someone who can go into these areas zones or whether you have to pay it looks like they've breached their own rules and data privacy rules. So forget. So they've they've breached the security and how to look after it, and they've breached the telling people what they're doing. So well done, full house there, everyone. Yeah, and nothing will happen to anybody. But just up the road in Nottingham, they—I'm I'm trying to make it smooth. They—they've uh, they, uh, been looking into ultra ultra low emission vehicles, and something called the ultra low emission, the well, the ULEV experience uh, has released a report on its findings into just how good the experience of ownership and use and shifting to ultra low emissions vehicles is and and has been uh, they've been looking at it over the last 2 years because they were the first city to bring in a ULEZ zone yes don't forget and they have uh, and part of that ULEZ zone was to plow certain monies back into helping businesses to transfer but also into other more ecologically sound or adv- advantageous ways to travel around the city and they've published a full report which is the link will be in the show notes 
yes. uh, to that. And even then, it's 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 a relatively nice and easy to read thing with many big pictures and infographics. Yes, it is. It is pretty good. <laughs> it is actually good. I, I'm I'm mildly extracting the urine, but it is actually really good. It's one of these things you can flick through and pick out important points and 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 numbers, which is over sort of ten pages, which is very useful for us. They picked out a couple, a few key findings. I mean, the t- top five are that there does need to be strategically planned and joined up support to help shift businesses to ULEVs. I'm I'm going to send them an invoice from the Merchant Podcast. I know because I know. we have we may have mentioned that maybe every time a ULEV zone gets a mention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we say the same things every time. We 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 really do. Uh, the next one is that different businesses are at different stage of transitioning. And some have no idea. Some of them have lots of experience, and you do actually have to take into account the fact that there are these different levels of uptake, understanding, etc. Yep. Public sector can be successful early adopters. Remember that when you announce your imminent ultra low emission vehicle zone, and then go off and buy a whole load of diesel vans. <laughs> Charging infrastructure, as always, is a growing concern. Yes, but again, I think that is down to education. and That's exactly what it says. Education uh, on existing and planned infrastructure does need communicated, and this is something that we find yeah, over and over it, again for private purchases yeah, as well. It's definitely part of that, the people who know a lot and the people who don't know anything. It's it's all co- combined in with that. Mm-hmm. And supporting businesses with Tribe for You by loaners is useful and successful. Now, I remember that from, uh, well, years ago when I was doing some work at Nissan and the Leaf had just come out. Everybody was like, oh, electric car, electric car, electric car. So they they ended up, employees could borrow a Leaf for the weekend Mm. to see if they wanted one as their next company car. And something ridiculous, like 80% of people came back and said, yeah, we'll have that. Really like it. It does what I need it to do. Yep. And it cost me nearly nothing in benefit and kind. In their full report, which it, which as Alan said, it's 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 a nice, easy read. It's written well. It's 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 not a long thing. But they talk about areas that they they do need to look into as well. And this was when you read through those, you will see this was clearly written before the lockdown situation, before the the coronavirus issue came. It came and hit us. And there will be elements of this that I think they're going to have to rethink in the short to possibly medium term because they talk Mm. about car clubs and car sharing initiatives. Also, I would suggest when they mention the cycle infrastructure, maybe that increases because we're, we're seeing as we've discussed streets are being shut so people can get the two meter distance from each other whilst using while either walking or cycling um, rather than using a, a private vehicle. Whilst we're talking about that, by the way, and urban mobility vehicles and these kind of things it struck me this morning actually and then i finally said it on twitter i was going to save it for this evening uh, but then alex robbins on twitter was saying something about the, the the challenge of public transport and all these kind of things and people being able to get to and from to and from work and uh, uh, and stuff and so this is stuff like the renault twizzies chance to shine isn't it mm. it's yeah. electric one and a half person yeah one plus one layout personal transportation it you can go further than a bike all these kind of things and it also made me think and i meant to go and look up the name because i can never remember the toyota kind of three-wheeled concept things that lean i oh yeah i something yeah yeah those that kind of thing 
it's going to be curious what happens next with those because they are that kind of step up from the electric scooter which much to my disgust i think is actually going to be i reckon that the that's going to be more allowed yeah in coming but, months but i think it's there's interesting questions of urban mobility there away from fleets and and ultra low emission vehicles yeah i think i think the most interesting point from all of this is that people are now and this again this is something we have banged on about ever since the first we first covered a ULA zone why are you making the journey in the first place do you need to and now we're seeing so much of the country working from home it, and again i repeat this it is not for every business every person every industry understandably all the time or all the time however we can do it we can work from home a lot more than people suspected or even considered there's a silly meme going around at the minute uh, and it's on the crazy management consultants uh twitter and instagram feed uh, i think it's pinned in the twitter account which is you know what's brought about digital transformation in your organization and is like is it all the sort of transformation programs big it covid19 and that that's the answer that's where we're seeing you know from my my normal professional point of view the biggest change in working practices sod your multi multi-million pound transformation programs and mm. hot desking office yep. reduction blur this this is the biggest this the level of transformation that this is bringing in organizations of all size and at a speed that is unprecedented yes is is incredible it, it really is. is and it that that's not to be sniffed at and uh, that's heck of a scary for lots of people and lots of businesses yeah um We've just got to to bear that in mind and hope that less lessons have been learned. And I'm sorry, I'm in full consultant mode, but lessons have been learned about how to do it and and how you can do it. And I'm sounding like Andrew. I'm sorry, I, but 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 there's but that's it's going to have a massive impact on our transport strategy. Yes, it is. It is right as a country. Yeah. I'm going to move us on to the homework section. And that is the fact that ITV, and more specifically the programme called The People's Ad Break, have put a request in for you at home to recreate the Honda Cog advert. Some of our older listeners will remember the famous advert where little bits of the car... You don't have to be that old. old. Yeah, old enough, though. Okay. God, April 2003, is it really that old? Okay, your your point is made. 16 years. <laughs> 17 years. Wow. Yeah. And if you think it wasn't that far away, it goes to show how old you are. That is not time due to lockdown. That is just age, I'm afraid. <laughs> but this is the advert where bits of the vehicle were moved and then moved other elements along. It was a fantastic ad and it took what does it say it took 606 hours of testing and filming before they came up with the final cut and there's still a cut in it yeah but if you are going to go down this down this route you do not have 606 hours you've got till the 8th (laughs) to to put your thing in so if you click through on the motoring research article which i recommend you do for two reasons one if you're going to enter 
you can find out the rules and how to do it. But two, you get to see the ad again, mm, which is, it, it I is am good. reminded of how really clever and good it was. It was totally out there. Um, yeah. It re- at the time, it was just so incredibly different. Yeah. I have a small problem with stuff called The Peoples in the name of anything, because invariably anything called The Peoples doesn't really have anything to do with the people, but that's just me and my terrible cynical nature. <laughs> right, why don't you take us to, as we're about the end of the first half, take us through the not guilt minute. Yes, absolutely. Well, it isn't the, the not, it isn't, yes, it is the non-guilt minute. Patrons, folks, I hopefully your payments for me were not were not taken. So I've also made sure I have stopped it for June uh, as well. Uh, with all the uncertainty around at the minute, uh, supporting two blokes talking about cars and grumbling about things called the peoples uh, really isn't that important at all. Uh, if you do have cash burning a hole in your pocket that you would be desperate to give. Under, to us under normal circumstances then please donate the amount you would have given us to a charity relevant to you uh, if you're stuck then we recommend the mission motorsport covid19 response fund uh, missions motorsports trying to put in place the framework they need to support the beneficiaries remotely and to enable the community and camaraderie that they foster so well in person to take place online they've been doing some of that they've put out they've started a podcast they've been able to 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 do online racing uh, all sorts of stuff like that is is the start of all this it's it's trying to keep that as you say to keep that community spirit and keep these people connected even though we're not meant to be connected at the moment or not physically connected yes yeah. so they they're doing a great job under you know obviously really trying circumstances and again hadn't to decide to do it overnight as ever yes yeah there's a link in the show notes that you can use to find out more and to donate. Right, WRC. And I was surprised at this, but Rally Portugal is has been cancelled, and that's the first event on the revised 2020 calendar to be cancelled. I thought something else had been, but it hasn't. It's the first event on the re- revised one. Yeah, so it's the first one to uh, of the revised calendar that's been officially cancelled because they couldn't make the late October date work after speaking with all the relevant parties in the area they just couldn't uh, run the the event safely they didn't think plus there's also the uh, concern that things you know how far things will have changed from the situation they are now to to allow a mass number of people to get together let alone those who are working on the cars and the teams coming in and all that sort of stuff. So I think I think a lot of the challenge with rallies is you can't just lock down a fence off rally stages and, and it's very hard to be it's very hard to control the amount of crowds, etc. It's not like if you were racing at Silverstone and they just like shut the gate. Yeah, because then you're putting the stewards at risk for get, having to get close to people to get them to go exactly. back and all that sort of stuff. So uh not surprised that it's happened. I would predict we're probably going to hear a bit more of this as the as the year progresses. But um, yes, because you're a little ray of sunshine. But I, I am. I'm, I'm full of full of sunshine the entire time, as everybody knows. But there is another article from Dirtfish which I recommend you read because on their one of their recent podcasts, they were talking about how the sport is going to need to make some cost cuts because. As we saw with the last financial 
Um, the last financial uh, blip, <laughs> to be polite about it. And we saw how quickly Volkswagen Group moved when they suddenly realized they had big spiraling costs because of Dieselgate. One of the first things that goes is motorsport um, contribution, motorsport um, competition from mm-hmm. uh, manufacturers. So what was what was said is George Donaldson, who used to be a former team member and sporting director, he was one of the uh, people on the podcast, and he was saying, need some effectively common sense cost cuts. They need to simplify and they need to bring in the cost to enter and to mm-hmm. be competitive, bring that down much more. So therefore they will might get more independent teams taking part as well. So uh, I thoroughly encourage you to read the article. And then I think there's a, a link to the podcast episode. Yeah, there is at the, at the bottom um, that you'll be able to listen to, but, Apparently, after the episode went out, they got a lot of contact from senior figures in the service parks saying, yes, that is what we are crying to the FIA to say, please do this. Please do this. Otherwise, the FIA, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're right. They're right. I, I can't. I think all race series are going to be under such serious pressure because it, yeah. it will be seen as a luxury item. And you know even though it contributes so much to uh research and development and stuff like that it'll still be seen as a you know as we talked about when Volkswagen went through this process people on the shop floor going i'm going to lose my job but you're keeping them dancing around a circuit uh, how's that fair hmm. type thing and and that's a it is a difficult one to you know it's a difficult one to to argue and discuss and try and tell you know tell people well actually this contributes more than that, but if so, that so all motorsport is going to have to do something serious about keeping the cost down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it, going to be. It, it's again. I, I hope they do it. I hope they. I hope mo- the, the various race series do approach it properly. Otherwise, all some of them will be left with is watching only an esport version of it. Yeah, but some of them won't. Oh yeah, but it's yeah. it's already. I mean, you, you, we know that. We we we, we can all. Tell. There's already been articles from leaked where people have got in touch from the FIA saying we're warning series not to have turf wars over this. We're all in this together type stuff, and you sort of go, "Oh, it's already started, has it?" Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's what people do. They're right to do that as well. I mean, yeah, really, yeah. you've got just, to defend. It's your own very series. easy for me to make fun of the FIA, but but you know that that's 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 a fair point too. Yeah, take us to the designer's mood board anyway. Well, yes. Yes. Uh, Luke, I can never pronounce his surname. Luke Donkervolk. Yeah, who's the chief design officer for Hyundai Group. That's Hyundai and Kia. He resigned on April the 29th, the 29th for personal reasons. And it was all to do with his grueling work and travel schedule and his deteriorating health. So uh, not something I imagine he particularly wanted to do and not something that Hyundai would have liked him to do other than for his own good yeah. um as well so that's a that's a shame and we wish him well in his in his retirement yeah yeah his role's going to be spread out spread out between um the brand design boss uh, a chap called sang yup lee and uh and also you know across the various the various brands but looks well known i mean i first heard of him i think when he took over design at uh at lamborghini yeah 
he's responsible for the Mutilago from memory. Please, I'm sorry if I'm I'm wrong there. Uh, but he's been at Bentley as well as Seat, uh, Skoda, and Audi. But what what he did at uh, Hyundai Group was he he brought forward those superb Genesis concepts, didn't yeah. he? That that was uh, under his um, thing because there's that uh, Genesis Essentia concept. Is it Essentia? Yeah, fantastic looking thing. Yes, Essentia. from 2018, and that's just gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, if you look, if you look at that, and you look at the wheels on that, and then you wander out and you look at the, the Kia Stinger I've got outside, the wheels, other than quite a bit of bling, the the fundamental design is very very similar there. The, the, uh, I'm, similar I'm seeing the a lot Genesis. in the lines as well. The shoulder line. Yeah, very simple shoulder line, um, you know. Which, how many, how many cars? I mean, you were having a conversation last night about car design with various mm. people, and that was one of the things that came up was the you know s- sleek and simple designs, uh, just what elegant as it were, uh, and, and as one of the points made. And yeah, that's that's not something that's generally happening across the industry at the moment. No, sleek and elegant's not great. It looks a bit more like a Mazda than than you see. That's quite bad, isn't it? When you say sleek and elegant, the first thing you think of is a Mazda. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's great. I mean, he's, he's done some. He's done some other stuff. He's responsible for quite a lot of of, of good stuff that we've seen. And uh, yeah, um, say happy happy retirement. Yeah, may stay it be safe. long and prosperous and safe and yeah. healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Talking of Mazdas, our lunchtime read. And in a bid to not completely mock Alan, I've taken this story because uh, it just felt a little bit It's a bit relief unfair. and a surprise, to be perfectly honest. It's a li- li- little bit unfair. But this is on uh, Form Trends' site, as was the last article, actually. Great site if you are um, if you have some time spare. Go around there. That is, is superb stuff. Uh, but this is Mazda's story on the fourth-generation MX-5 design. Now, this is the latest MX-5, and this is taking us through how it it went from initial idea of right we need to look at making the next generation to it appearing and being revealed to us all and it's fascinating to to go through this whole process uh, and see the the ethos behind it and why they made this, some of the decisions they did and then looking at some of the 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 prototype uh, designs that they went with and why they looked at them and you know and why they were not used in the end. I mean, it's things like talking about why why the headlight is the shape it is because, uh, which I'm not going to go into too much. You need to read it, but that was fascinating to hear why it is like that because you look at it and there's not uh, that's about the only car out there that has something that narrow and small for a headlight, but still does the job. Uh, you know, perfectly well. As in yeah, you they're can really, see they are really good headlamps. By, by yeah. the way, they are really good headlamps. Yeah. So uh, do go and read this. Read this article. It is, it is excellent to to just run through because I'm I'm always fascinated at how a team goes through a process or something, and when you get to see their decisions and the explanation behind those decisions, it, it, it's, I find it it's quite revealing of the culture of a a team and a company. I've got a little um, Tamiya static model of one of these to build. Okay, now you can drink everyone. Which is downstairs. <laughs> but what offended me is it comes, it says on the box, it comes with a, a driver model. Oh, good, I thought. That, 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 yeah, a little car, a little driver in it. And I was slightly offended where they went, it's a lady. 
It's a lady driver. And, it, and if and you it turn it upside like down, does it have hairdresser on a foot as well? If we're no. going to go the whole, I know, the whole it's hog. One, <laughs> it's one step away. And I thought, that's a bit much. That's a bit unfair. What you do in your private life is up to you, Alan. I you know. know. <laughs> I need to... <laughs> uh, right. This... <laughs> Come on, we've, we've, I've started to be silly. Let's go to the list of the week then. <laughs> I know. So this week's list of the week is 25 things we learned whilst watching movies, courtesy of doubleapex.co.za. Um, yes, it's short but sweet. I say short, it's 25 items. It's, it's cracking. Tongue is firmly stuff. in cheek and it's very good. I'm, I think I'm, tongue is poking right through the cheek in in the case of of some of them. Yes. Um, You'll read them and be nodding along, going yes, yes, oh yes, I like that one. Can That's, I pick one? Can I pick, pick one to try? Not even try. Uh, so where was it? A hero detective can shoot out both tires of a car doing fifty kilometers an hour with a nine millimeter pistol. <laughs> Well, I particularly like, and I'm only picking one here because there are so many to choose from, but I particularly like that you can drive at highway speeds in reverse gear. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's the second one that I would have picked out as well. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. It's so, good. It's well worth Go give them a click. Yeah, go and have a look at that. That is that's a good one, that. Well done, chaps. Right. So I promised you an education. Mm-hmm. And that is, thanks to, uh, well, you said this just before we pressed record. There are several several articles and tweets where people come out and go, if you aren't learning 75, 75 new ways to do something, and if you don't come out of this lockdown a better person, more educated and more driven than ever, then you have failed and it's all on you type nonsense and garbage when we're all just basically trying to make it through each day as it comes. Yes, I made it through today without crying. Result? Yes, that's a positive. Well, we can make small steps of improvement, I think. I think we can all try and aim for something simple and small. So this week, and the and finally, BMW are going to help us because they are going to show us how to say BMW in German. And now, that's not you're not going to be able to go and converse fully if you, whenever we can get the chance to go to Germany. But we've made one spy, tiny step of improvement in ourselves. So there you go, everyone. Uh, and if you want to see it being mouthed out, you can click on the link and you will see the, the BMW tweet with the video. But yes, we can all aim for, I think it's realistic and it's positive for us if we make it, everybody tries to make a tiny little improvement. And that is a tiny little improvement. You can do it in other languages as well. Excellent. Well, I think that's us. It is. Parish Notes this week. Uh, special edition was out last Friday. Yes. You talked to a special person about a special thing. Yes, exactly. So hopefully you've enjoyed that, talking uh, about the uh, all about the Aston Martin Vanquish 25 by Callum with a chap called Adam Don Francesco. So I'd, uh, I'd love to be a badge manufacturer. I want that across the... Yeah, yeah, you get paid bit, by yeah. the letter for that. <laughs> yeah. But no, go go have a little listen because he's he's an interesting chap to, to listen to. Yeah, he's done, and some, he's got lots done of some pretty cool stuff. Been involved he in has pretty done cool, some stuff. cool stuff. And I, I think we're going to try and talk to him about some more of that cool stuff uh, relatively soon as well. Cool. Monday night, the Zoom Zoomers that I talked about last week, which is like somewhere between 12 and 16 of us, 
depending <laughs> on who's alive, not eating their dinner, whatever, uh, at any moment in time, uh, are sort of uh, being corralled together on a Monday evening from eight till nine. That's the aim is for it to only be an hour. Uh, and and yeah that's that's out and that's going on youtube now last week we said uh facebook first one was on facebook video now it's it's switched over to uh it's switched over to youtube yep the link for the youtube video is in the show notes as we chat about this and then you'll be able to uh subscribe to their channel and you'll get the live stream next monday when it comes uh-huh. out because damien cross does a fantastic job of keeping you guys moving and uh, yes. not not allowing it to go off topic too much but uh, keeping the conversation flowing i'm very impressed because that's a lot of people to keep a lot of plates to keep spinning there <laughs> it, it is it is and then, then then there's at least one idiot who has his own pot well his own podcast he has a podcast who, who just doesn't know when to shut up happy to interrupt others well, yes. Yeah, well, I'm used to working with Andrew, so that's what it is. You have to. <laughs> right. Anyway, Andrew, uh, r- quick reminder about Rearview. There's uh, plenty of people still listen to Rearview. Yep. Uh, if you haven't listened to any of the episodes or you've not listened to them for a while, maybe try out episodes 38 and 39, which is Eric Galina. Uh, of course, we've mentioned Form Trends a couple of times, and he's the head honcho for there. Really fascinating chap, has got some superb opinions uh, on things uh, and he's just a fascinating guy to, to chat with about design and content and stuff like that. He's a really, really nice guy. So check out episodes 38 and 39. Also talking of rear view, I am very I'm a step closer to actually recording episodes again and then getting them out, some new fresh content. But if there is anybody in particular you want me desperately to talk to, do please let me know, and then I can add them towards the top end of the list of badgering. Trademark. The, and the more I, you badger, the more likely he is to, to get his finger out. Yes, and then I can uh, I can say, but all these people who listen said so. Will you come on my show? Oh, well, is that again. the point when they say, why me? I'm not very interesting. Because yeah, that's the, the way the conversation always goes. That, that's the second line. <laughs> fantastic so that brings us to the end of the end of another show i guess yep. uh so don't forget everyone that between now and next week you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities uh, don't forget about supporting a charity that's important to you and that there's a link to mission motorsport and their covid19 fund uh, in the show notes uh, but we would appreciate if you'd leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing andrew what's the best way for people to get in touch with you best way to get in touch with me is via twitter if you search for crack windscreen you should find me there and alan if people would like to get in touch with you personally what is the best way for them to find out if you do dress like the female driver for the tamia mazda what's the best way to do that I'm just, I'm just completely gobsmacked by that one. Uh, it's Twitter, I guess, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B R A D L E Y. Once Andrew finally stops chuckling at his own rubbish jokes, uh, we'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe staying home.